Traditionally known for dark rides, groundbreaking technology, and immersive experiences, in 2006, Disney upped the ante and opened the world's first $100 million roller coaster, setting a Guinness Book of World Records that wouldn't be surpassed for 13 years. Marrying cutting-edge coaster technology with real-world inspiration and legends of old, the ride won Best New Theme Park Attraction from Theme Park Insider, and despite a pivotal breakdown within the year, it has remained a park favorite ever since. This week on Slice of Disney, Expedition Everest, Legend of the Forbidden Mountain. Welcome to Slice of Disney, an awesome Disney theme park podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Washington, Disney-obsessed enthusiast and real-life Tinkerbell. And I'm your co-host, Will Lentz, occasional Disney goer and uh, real-life often confused with a Yeti. Rawr! Rawr! If you didn't say that, I was going to be angry. <laughs> Especially right now with all... You're very hairy. I am very hairy right now. I had another one. I don't remember what it was. Um... Maybe it was a mountain or something. Either way. Well, originally, when we decided to do Expedition Everest, I didn't really know. I knew that there'd be some cool stuff because it is one of you know my favorite rides in Disney World. But this was so much more interesting than I thought. Yeah. And uh, for me, I think we've talked about it on this, but just to reiterate for anybody who's joining, like I haven't been to Disney World in many, many years. So I've not been on this ride. Um, but when you suggested, I was like, I feel like, I've heard of that, but only barely. Um, and so when I started to look into it a little bit too, I was like, oh, there's actually some pretty cool stuff. And I did the ride along and I was like, this seems pretty fun. <laughs> so it's, like, It is so much fun. So I was excited to do this episode too. So Expedition Everest is a steel roller coaster that is in the Animal Kingdom at Walt Disney World. It is the tallest ride in Disney World. It, we discussed on Tower of Terror that the Tower of Terror is 199 feet tall, and this one is 199.5 feet tall. Yeah, and that's obviously in part because they can't go over that 200-foot limit, right? Yep, because they don't want a little beaker popping Yeah, so up. basically in, in Florida, if you're a building that's over 200 feet, you have to have these like an antenna with red lights on it for any low-flying planes. And they were like, that would break the immersion. So instead of being 200 feet, we will be half a foot lower I uh, love it. I, <laughs> it is. I mean, I do too. I did kind of want to look up and see if there have been any traffic accidents, um, which I'm sure that probably hasn't. I'm sure that's like well below the threshold of what planes need to be flying. But I was like, that seems like kind of a bold move to be like, all right, well, we're just going to do it by less than half a foot and ignore <laughs> the. <laughs> There's a lot of strict rules about flying over Disney and Disneyland. Yeah, that's Both what I places. would imagine too. It, like drones, everything. It's like a no-fly zone pretty much unless they get approved, which happens very rarely yeah. i guess that makes sense then um but yeah. yeah so it became the became the tallest the tallest attraction in the park yes and it became disney's 18th mountain themed attraction oh that's actually funny <laughs> <laughs> walt <laughs> loved mountains <laughs> and trains mountains and, and trains. trains his two favorite things it also became as we said in the intro the most expensive ride in the world yeah. The most expensive roller coaster at $100 million. It took six years of planning uh, and construction. 
to come to life. And then later it was beat uh, in 2019. The ride that became the most expensive was $300 million. That's and right. it was Hagrid's Magical Creature Motorbike Adventure. Where is that located? Uh, Universal. <laughs> Which, you know, I... In researching the crowds at Disney World, which if any of our listeners have been going, please tell me about it because I want to know. I've been seeing a lot of pictures at Universal and it looks like a train wreck right now. Oh, really? Yeah. Like yeah, pe- I haven't. People walking around without their masks or like using it as a chin strap, which seems to be a common pastime these days for people. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, I think one of the things I enjoyed going to a local barbecue place um, here because I'm back home in Paducah and uh, seeing someone standing outside with a mask underneath their chin smoking a cigarette. And I was like, ah, I feel like there's something wrong with this picture. <laughs> like maybe two things. But anyways. Um, yeah. Well, I thought it was interesting what you'd said there. Like it took them six years to develop it. Um, and But yet with all the research that we're reading through and seeing a lot of it is considered to be like a very fast development for something this big saying that they were able to cut down on some of the design time because they had these advanced computer technologies that allowed for them to render things and try new stuff. Yes. So usually a design like this would take three to four years. They build a lot of different clay models and it's just trial and error, but it's all, model-based. Well, because of technology, which is something we've talked about with other rides where the ideas couldn't catch up to the technology, now we finally have something that helps. So it only took 18 months to design. About half the time. Well, yeah, about half the time or less than half the time than it typically would have to do the design portion. And they, so what they did is they did 24 clay versions. And once they got that down, which that's crazy that that's just a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. And then they were able to make it into the digital version. And this is like this. I watched some videos on it and seeing them use the computers. And then suddenly you have to go from computer to almost 200 foot structure. Right. Right. That's wild. I think the thing that is so interesting to me is last episode we did Peter Pan's flight. And that was a rushed one that went very fast, um, but not insanely fast. But you went from this, like, considered to be a fast turnaround for them. And they created, like, you know, these, you know, dark ride with a thing at the top that lets you fly around and these little models of aluminum and, you know, whatever. And you're flying through (laughs) it. And this one is like, all right. And then obviously, like 50 years later, there's going to be a lot of advancement technology, but it's like, all right, now we're doing a fast one and we've got computers and it's a 200 foot structure and a hundred million dollars. Yeah. We have this <laughs> insane ride. Um, so I just think it's a really fun juxtaposition between um, that the the method of getting stuff done didn't change, but the even, tools that could get it done with did. And so yeah. we have these huge differences in what they were able to accomplish. Even without the pressure of Walt. Yeah, right? The, the legacy lives on. Yes. He, they, they just like, can feel his ghost looking uh-huh. over them like, okay, we, we better go. Um, <laughs> well, that, that light is on in the, uh, you know, the, the light's on in his apartment. So, you know, he's always there watching. I'm always watching. I'm Roz. <laughs> Who's that's, Roz? That's from Monsters, Inc. Oh, I've seen that. Like I'm once. watching. Always watching. That's like a terrible impression. Please never think that was good. Um, (laughs) Okay, in talking about how ginormous this is, the construction itself took three years. Mm. And 
it required this is I'm going to go through these numbers because it's really hard to fathom just how much this is. 38 miles of rebar, 5,000 tons of structural steel, 10,000 tons of concrete. That's so much. That is so much stuff. You could also look at it as 18.5 million pounds of concrete. <laughs> they built a literal mountain. They did. Right. And it's actually funny. Um, I'm jumping the gun a little bit here. But in talking about Peter Pan and the use of tinfoil, they actually ended up using tinfoil to build um, the the mountain in this too. Yeah. Like, they were struggling to get the perfect look and make it look mountainy and real. So they figured out that if while the concrete was wet, if they put tinfoil on it, then they could mold the concrete with the tinfoil, let it dry, and then take the tinfoil off. <laughs> Which is really pretty smart. Yeah. You know, I, I, I thought I thought that too, because I had my, you know, as I was reading through the research, I had my thought of like, wow, this is really funny and how it juxtaposes with how they used to use tinfoil. Yeah. And then I <laughs> kept going. I was like, oh, they, they, they still do. Okay. Yeah. Well, maybe that's on me. I, I mean, I think tinfoil is the most useful, like, Clearly, cooking you know. tool, but apparently it's really useful for theme parks, too. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thought? Who would have thunk it? So the genius idea of tinfoil came from some genius minds. Nice segue. Thank you. <laughs> You're getting better at it. I, You know, I feel like I'm learning. <laughs> Get a little better every day. I like um, it. <laughs> so Joe Rohde is the Imagineer who was behind Everest and, and Animal Kingdom itself. He was one of the lead Imagineers on that. And then the man who was kind of in charge of building Everest, we have to include this, it was Mike Lentz. What, what? No relation, I don't think. I, I was going to say, are you related? I don't know. I'll have to look it up. I'll send him a, a message on Facebook. Yes. Be like, What's up, Mike? He'll be like, who are you? I'll be like, don't you, can't you read my last name? We are we are one. Joe Rohde is this really like funky guy who just dreams big. He is like, his, his imagination seems to be endless, which is amazing and needed. I, I've talked about it before, but my brother, Brian, it's his birthday today. And happy birthday, Brian. Happy birthday. Uh, and he loves roller coasters. His, his dream job would be to be an Imagineer. But I specifically, after researching, I was like, this ride is specifically your dream job. It combines creativity and has a great story with technology and engineering and building a true roller coaster that was it, it's one of a kind yeah as i was reading this i i had the same thing i had the same thought i was like oh this would be this is brian would love this part but before we can construct things we have to have uh, a story and we yes. have to have an inspiration so even I think that's an inspiration even for a roller coaster right so when joe Rody even if it is your 18th mountain it is <laughs> 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 so so when they were working on Animal Kingdom, they traveled over to all of these different countries. And if you there's a restaurant actually now called Tiffin's in Animal Kingdom, mm -hmm. and they have a bunch of the artifacts and stuff that they purchased and they have all their notes kind of that placed cool. around. It's so cool. And the food's yeah. really good, so that helps. Um but it's kind of the Imagineer restaurant. So Joe Rohde, though, when they were in Tibet and, you know, in the Himalayas, the, the ride came pretty easy, the idea. It, it was, you know what, we, 
we need to do a roller coaster with the mountain. Why not? And something that, contrary to popular belief, especially because it's called Expedition Everest, the mountain <laughs> that you see is not Everest. <laughs> it is not. What it, mountain is it? It is the Forbidden Mountain. Is that a real mountain? <laughs> uh, no, it is not. <laughs> yeah, I was a little disappointed because it's supposed to be like, I mean, you can you can see, quote unquote, Everest uh, as part of the mountain that has been constructed that you're going through as part of the yes. Forbidden Mountain. So the Forbidden Mountain is this like fictional like mountain that's just next to Everest. And I was like, oh, that would be cool if it was like a real one. But uh, all, all signs point to no. Yes, uh, unfortunately. And this story that we go on is fictitious. So, like our Indiana Jones adventure, which... And our Star Tours adventure. And our Star Tours. <laughs> Disney is very creative, obviously, but it is funny researching, being like, okay, so we're we're tourists again. <laughs> <laughs> you're starting in a tourism agency, and yes. you're a tourist in a new world. <laughs> so, we are... The ride starts with fictional Norbu and Bob. And they are two entrepreneurs who have decided to restore a railroad that was used in the 1920s to carry tea between villages. And they decide they're going to open a, a business called Himalayan Escapes, Tours and Expeditions. Yeah. So we are some people who are going to be going on this expedition to the Forbidden Mountain. Um, we're taking a train. And like, you know, and part of the reason that they opened this is because most of the locals are too scared. Yeah, but we're not scared. We're tourists. We're tourists. We, 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 own, we own this place. We'll, <laughs> go, we'll go wherever. We're not scared of anything. <laughs> but the reason that the locals are so scared is because there's a legend of a scary Yeti. Yeah. And so that obviously is taken from real life too, right? There's all these like, I mean, that was the thing that they, that the Imagineers experienced as they went over there. There were all these kind of myths and legends about the, about the Yeti. Yes. And um, and they thought that that was pretty cool, and they thought they could figure out a way to put that into the story also. And they specifically decided to make this Yeti scary. Because not every legend describes the Yeti as something like terrifying, but we've decided that this Yeti is horrifying. It's a thrill ride. Yeah. And so us as little hiker train tourists, <laughs> um, we decide we're going to go ahead and go on this tour, but... The mountain is not unprotected. So the story gets a little crazy as it goes from a tra-la-la, a nice little stroll around the mountain. Actually, not even kidding. Every time when I go on it during like the beginning, it's very like smooth and like relaxing. And I always go, tra-la-la, just to stroll around the mountain. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm your, you must be the light to go on. I know. <laughs> and then it becomes um, escaping a Yeti. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, it's fun. And I mean, just to talk through the ride a little bit, if we want to do that. Um, mm -hmm. Like, yeah, as you mentioned, you're the very first, like, based on what I saw on YouTube, because I haven't been on it. So correct me if I'm wrong. You uh, are, you're going through tra-la-la section. Tra-la-la. very nice and calm. And then you get up to a point, like, you start to go up the mountain and you get up to a point, and you're like, oh, no, the track has been destroyed. What do we do? And you sit there for a little bit. And then all of a sudden you start to slide backwards and then you're traveling backwards on this coaster into the dark. And at that point, I don't know what happens because uh, it's dark and I was watching a YouTube video, <laughs> but I, th I assume you spin around a lot and no. well, then you see a scary Yeti and then you go forward again and then you're at the end. 
it's still a roller coaster, so it's right. not, you're not really spinning. <laughs> well, I meant like spinning around the tracks. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... I think going, that was a pretty good description. That was great. Thank that you. That was... Yeah, congratulations on never riding a <laughs> we ride. Have entered, we have entered the section where Will describes a YouTube video. We're going to yes. make this a recurring segment. Yes, every time that it's a ride you've never been on, we'll have you describe <laughs> it, not me. <laughs> I love it. Um, I will say one of my favorite parts as you're going up is... There's, it's just kind of the track, and you realize how high up it is. It's really high, and mm. you can see all of the main, the main symbols of the other parks. Like you see the ball. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, it's you can see Disney, and Animal Kingdom is so far from the other parks. Yeah. But suddenly, it don't feel so far. You know, you're like, that's Whoa. cool. Yeah. That alone makes me want to go on this ride. It's and so. And I'm not, cool. I'm not really a big roller coaster guy. Then you go up and then you go into this temple and you see, you know, some artifacts and there's certainly no details missing. Everything was thought of. And it's also like a lot of those details are very authentic, right? That was what we found in the research. Yes. When they went over, they got artifacts straight from Asia. And it was interesting because they talked, they, some of the Imagineers were talking about the fact that they would go in and they would buy someone's entire store. Yeah, yeah. They said it's kind of like if you went to Sears because the video is pretty old, so Sears was still a thing. Um, <laughs> Sears stores, especially. Yeah. Like you went into a, a Sears and you said, I want to buy it. And the Sears employee's like, what? And it's like, no, I want to buy ev- this, everything. And that's basically what they were doing. Even in the queue, which we'll get to, this one's kind of hard not to jump around because there's so many cool parts to it. Yeah, I think it's okay. <laughs> um, even in the queue, there's like paintings or, you know, plaques and stuff all around the buildings as you walk around and the nails are handmade nails Mm, that's cool yeah i thought so too yeah i just i i don't know this i'm hoping that all of it was done ethically i feel like with that much buying power with places where they don't have as many resources i'm just hoping that they like paid a fair value for their entire store oh they when they described the like buying of these handmade nails they pretty much bought his entire supply for the year so they were like oh that guy definitely went on a nice vacation (laughs) well i mean i'm just yeah yeah i'm just hoping that they gave like the fair value for it because i think sometimes like big companies can come in and be like well we'll give you this uh we'll buy all of your stuff but we're gonna give you you 60 percent you know 60 cents on the dollar and and then they're like well but it would be such a big deal now i gotta do it Um, i'm just hoping that that didn't happen in this case but you know i very much so agree they and they also went around and asked to buy, you know, in like Tibetan villages, they would just ask them to buy some of their, you know, cooking equipment or something like something that people just have in their house. And right. it's like, can I buy this from you? Because they wanted it to look used yeah, and authentic. So yeah. they're just buying people's stuff, too. Yeah. Which is good. I mean, I, I much prefer that than like we can just this is probably what it looks like. Let's just exactly. put it up. And then, yeah, yeah. It's getting the authenticity there is, I think, key with something yeah. like this. And, it's, and for this ride, <clears throat> they they made sure that it was as authentic as possible, which it's a roller coaster. Again, you're like, what? Yeah, that's true. That is the extra step that you... Well, I think, okay. I think there's a symbol of that within the way that this ride was constructed, although maybe I'm jumping ahead. The roller coaster itself is completely separate from the mountain. Um, in fact, there are like two different pieces, right? 
the, if you re- were to remove the mountain, the coaster would still stand. Yes. Um, so in a way, it is that just goes to show sort of like, yeah, it could just be this roller coaster. We don't need all the rest of this stuff. But the reason you come to Disney is because of the mountain, because of all this extra stuff. I do um, feel like this ride is a perfect example of why you go to Disney. Yeah. Be- this is every detail was thought of, which we're going to talk about throughout this whole podcast because e- each part of it there's another thing where you're like wow but uh, you you brought up one of my favorite points of the building of it it is two completely separate structures that had to be built simultaneously while never touching the track and the structure of the mountain n- never got within six inches of each other so even if they're really close they had to be separate because the vibrating track structure had to be able to move because obviously the roller coaster is moving fast and it's, you know, like how you have to build in California for earthquakes. The structure has to be able to swing and move as the ride itself as the ride itself moves. But the static structure of the mountain, the skeleton of the mountain had to be really rigid and sturdy and cannot move in order to keep this, however many million pounds of concrete from moving (laughs) right and i think that that complexity is like uh what has proven to make it iconic but also challenging in some areas too yeah so discussing the vibrating structure the track itself which is their roller coasters are so massive um the imagineers teamed up with vacoma the company who provided the track system and then they worked in conjunction with Disney to come up with this state of the art track. I mean, this was completely new. Yeah. Which I think is, you know, again, like back in the 1950s when this, when Disney opened, there probably were not uh, separate companies that were exclusive to designing, you know, park coasters. Uh, There's still not that many companies. Uh, That's again, I know all this because my brother. Right. So, and Disney often, does a lot of their own work but for the roller coasters you know they usually have there's not that many people who design them so they have they do team up um and so the thing that made this track so special was the rails were placed on the outside of the tires rather on than the inside and this was the first time that they had ever done something like that especially at this large of a scale why do they do that i think it's smoother it might have okay. been for a look. I'm not sure. This to this day, even though it was um, opened in 2006, is still one of the smoothest rides, I think. I was going to ask, what's your experience? Because oh I've ridden God. the, I've ridden Matterhorn, which we've talked about, is very not smooth. Mm. Um, and this one has, this is another mountain ride. Um, well, well, Matterhorn was one. the first mountain, and this is right. the 18th. Right, right, right. So they have plenty <laughs> of times to perfect it. Yes. Um, this, this mountain can vote. This ma- <laughs> that was so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Oh, I love that. So, oh, so my experience, would you like to hear it? Yeah, I would. So my family was one of like the first people who got to ride this. I mean, what? the first of like thousands, I'm sure. But yeah, we were there in March of 2006 and my parents had decided to join dvc they joined the cult disney vacation club members oh i, was like, and, I don't know what that is <laughs> it's where you know timeshares <laughs> yes i do know timeshares okay it's kind of like that but for disney <laughs> i uh <laughs> so, 
if anyone wants a, a fun read, uh, Google DVC space cult and check out the first message board uh, posting about it. Uh-oh, I want to know. Um, hello, everybody. My wife has just signed up for the Disney Vacation Club. I'm trying to figure out the basics without spending a lot of time reading all the FAQs. Can anyone explain this to me in English? Question mark. How is this economically advantageous to buy the points plus pay the annual dues instead of just renting points from someone or looking out for the best deals is this a cult question mark thanks dave <laughs> uh first response are you serious your wife just plunked down thousands of dollars for dvc and you have no idea what it's about <laughs> wow i'd strongly suggest you etc etc <laughs> oh my god I, I just pulled it up so i'll have to read through it more later but uh it seems like it'll be fun that's funny is it a cult it is not a cult but i didn't i didn't imagine so um so they joined the dvc and because yes. of that and because of that, we were able to get these, you know, special tickets that allowed us to ride Everest before it was actually open. And I remember, you know, being much younger and just being like amazed, like hadn't experienced anything like it, even though I've always loved roller coasters. My family took me to Hershey Park when I was tiny because they didn't have height restrictions on rides. <laughs> 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 sure okay so like always have liked rides but this one with the track reversing and with how smooth it is and just the mixture of storytelling because it's not like here I want you to be thrilled the whole time it's like it really is a experience more than just a roller coaster which is yeah that's I mean that's very Disney for it and I, I think the smoothness you can even tell like I said on the YouTube video that I watched it feels that way like some of the other ones you see and you're like Man, this one it's like no nah, it feels like it's uh the, the camera is either on a steady cam or this ride is designed to be smooth <laughs> will is an expert now yep i've been watching a lot of youtube videos i'm an expert on a lot of things <laughs> and the ride uh you go up about 100 feet in the beginning but then the drop the big drop is 80 feet and you're going 50 miles an hour it's like a true roller coaster drop yeah unlike space mountain which we've discussed it feels really fast but you're going like 35 miles an hour <laughs> <laughs> to continue on my theme of youtube videos i did watch a space mountain ride through with the lights on um and boy you can tell it's not moving that fast oh really <laughs> yeah that's funny <laughs> um but so the drop on this one is that the backwards part no 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 okay. no that would be that would be unsettling jumping back to the ride a little bit you get you go up and then you get to where it feels like you're about to go really fast around a corner and then it stops suddenly because you see this broken track that right. the yeti has destroyed right. and now people have gotten in this weird habit where they throw their hair ties and i hate it and i think it's tacky and it makes me mad that is uh tacky i know that's like that's like a six flags thing <laughs> great. <laughs> great 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 the track reverse uh, flips behind you, and then you do some fun backwards motions, which is really fun. Then you stop again. And up above you is a projection of the Yeti breaking the track. If you look in f like within your eye line, you'll see that the track flips back, and it, it's so fast. And the fact that this whole, this huge 200,000-pound piece of track can flip over, lock itself in six seconds is wild. Yeah, and I like that they use the big Yeti as a distraction, right? It's misdirection. You're seeing, oh, there's this big projected Yeti. Oh, he's doing the thing. He's tearing up the track. And meanwhile, that's all to distract you from the, 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 the physical side of the track switching back again. Right. Um, yeah, which I think is uh, pretty smart. 
You're apparently something. I didn't know this. You're apparently entering at a 250 degree turn when you're speeding backwards through the cave. Ah. And you're hearing and like the noises and the effects, the special effects that were put into this ride, the lighting, the sound, it's crazy. And there's speakers everywhere, even under the track. I mean, look, maybe I am just a baby with this kind of stuff, but uh, watching it go from like the front forward, I, I didn't know it went backwards. So like I was watching it like, oh, are they just going to do like the thing where it's going to drop like the, the track is going to like drop down and you're going to go for like underneath broken track, that kind of stuff. Um, as it started to go backwards, like I felt like kind of I had that visceral reaction of like the, the stomach kind of like, whoa, what are we what's going yeah. on? Um, so, <laughs> oh, like, yeah. it's it's pretty crazy. I'm sure. So then you actually go... being on the ride would probably be even crazier. Wow. <clears throat> to be fair, I did have it in full screen. So <laughs> <laughs> did you put it on the TV or just on your no, laptop? No, but I have a 15 inch screen. So wow. You know, yeah. My God. <laughs> I'll humble brag more because I've been on the ride a lot. So yeah, then yeah, yeah. you're you... part of the DVC. So, you know, cult cult member here. So then you drop the 80 feet, 50 miles an hour. And then it's like a roller coaster. You're going around. But you get to a point where you go through another tunnel and you are going to see one of the largest, if not the largest animatronic ever. Is it considered an animatronic if it doesn't move? It isn't. Well, it is an audio animatronic. Unfortunately, it doesn't really move now. They (laughs) say that they're still working on it. They do. uh, Very hard. But unfortunately, you have a 25-foot massive yeti in the middle of again these two structures that you can't take apart right so how do you like he's in there you can't take him out right, you know right, right. so it, it is it's definitely very complicated so the yeti is the himalayan version of the abominable snowman or bigfoot and we as we talked about a little earlier this one is angry angry yeti He's angry. He is sabotaging our railroad. His message to us is that we don't have the right to everything we might want to claim. It's a good message. It is a good message. message. One that we should probably respect a little bit more. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Agreed. Otherwise, like in this symbolic way, the Yeti will destroy you. So in when they built it, it is this again, 25 foot massive audio animatronic that reaches down is trying to grab the riders. Right, right. And it is kind of violent. It it is more powerful than a jet engine, than a 747 jet engine. Yeah, I saw that. What's that mean though? What do you what do you mean? What does it mean that it's more powerful than a 747 jet engine? That the power it is using is more power than a jet engine. Sure. All right. So from a like uh just a from a typical like we're talking kilowatts and joules and whatever all that stuff is that I don't really remember from science class. Yeah, it has here. more of those than the jet engine from a four seven. It has more. It has more okay. phalanges. But it's not like <laughs> going to be better at throwing a plane and making it fly, right? That's just to just to clarify that it is this yeti, not going to power a, a plane. No, this yeti could fly a plane. It could throw okay. a plane. It, it probably has played with paper planes before. And <laughs> okay, okay, fair, fair. Um, um, but it, and it's, so these hydraulic thrusters, literally, it's, it reaches down and has to be able to recharge in 20 seconds. Mm. And if you watch a video mm. of this, of how massive this is, it's pretty, it's really wild. 
It is. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, just a, a 25 foot tall uh, animatronic in general is pretty wild. Um, yes. But that said, that is when the Yeti is on its A mode. Yes. Unfortunately, pretty much since 2006 when it opened, um, <laughs> it has been on B mode, which it, it doesn't move. They had too right. many issues with it. You know, it's still really scary because you have this massive Yeti, as we talked about, and and he's covered. I think it's cool too. Like he's covered in fur, and like you can watch them like painting his fingernails and stuff. And mm-hmm. it's dark. Like I barely can see the fingernails, but no, they they made it authentic Yeti. That is true. Um, and another reason that you can barely see the Yeti, although you definitely can, is because in order to simulate the movement, now there's a strobe light there. Yes. So while you're going by, there's a strobe light, and you're seeing the Yeti, and you're like, oh, and it looks like it's moving. Even and there's like some fans, too, t- that make it feel like he's reaching down. And my favorite part about this whole ride is that that new version of the Yeti with the strobe lights and stuff has been uh, colloquially called uh, the Disco Yeti yes. by fans. <laughs> which I think is fun. Oh, that is really funny. <laughs> There's like little badges and stuff you can get of Disco Yeti. And I think that, that and I think that, that is neat. <laughs> I do too. Uh, actually, in what I was talking about earlier, this is specifically what Joe Rody said. You have to understand, it's a giant complicated machine sitting on top of like a 46-foot tower in the middle of a finished building. So it's really hard to fix, but we're working on it. And at the end, he says, but we're working on it. I will fix the Yeti someday, I swear. And that was in 2013. He's even confirmed on Twitter in 2018 that he still has that as a priority for him. Um, but it just seems like it would take, you know, almost months of the parks being shut down uh, for them to actually be able to get in there and fix it. Yeah. Which makes me wonder if they didn't try to fix it during the during COVID, COVID shutdown. <laughs> I know that they did not. We would have heard about it if they did, but like, come on, guys. I know, true. It It's sad because I'm sure for them it's frustrating. They created this one-of-a-kind piece of art. Yeah, This, this totally. massive machine. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, to watch it just sit there, that, that does have to be hard for the Imagineers themselves. So I'm sure they oh, totally. do want it to come back. Um, so next thing we're going to talk about is scaffolding. <laughs> <laughs> uh here's what i'll do at the towards the end i'll give you a fun fact and you can you can okay 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 fine 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 (laughs) and then you but then after you see the scary yeti you kind of get to the end and then guess where you go uh back to base camp a gift shop (laughs) (laughs) right because we must have a gift shop we have to you have to uh one of the things actually in part of this gift shop but the exterior the exterior of this like you know fake tibetan village is so cool yeah the amount of details that went into the queue i think this is one of the coolest queues we'll tell you about it i have that's one part i didn't see in my video well, so you i'm sorry you didn't do a walkthrough of the queue i did not uh, wow i'm still getting the experience of walt disney world so next time i'll make sure to get a cute video okay thank you uh i i actually have been watching videos of people walking through the parks right now to test the crowds Have i'm you, curious oh that's funny that's funny <laughs> uh they and the videos i'm seeing look good but then i see pictures that look bad so i i don't know so if you know please tell me um but on this queue back to this queue the as you start the story in the queue of the himalayan escapes travel agency with uh 
it you it which where you enter a replica of a temple with little holy figures and then you enter a tea garden followed by a room with a ton of equipment from successful expeditions and then you enter the yeti museum mm. which it contains this large like mold of a yeti foot and it can and some yeti poop okay so kind of mm-hmm. a foreshadowing there yes being like you know don't worry about it it's fine um it's just a myth but here's our museum about it yeah just in case (laughs) just so you're educated yeah there's eight thousand artifacts that was brought over from their nepal trip wow yeah it's very detailed there's even little things like uh a napolese coke bottle and a desk phone that they're both from like everything everything they got was like from you know these asian cities that's cool towns right Uh, have you ever been to asia (laughs) no yeah i've been to to thailand yeah yeah i'd like to go back yeah i want to go to japan which we've talked about and i would definitely okay yay will's going on an adventure with me Mm -hmm. that'd be fun and even these buildings themselves have stories. They, they, they made sure that, that everything that you're going to see had a story. Mm-hmm. So even, you know, these buildings aren't as structurally sound as we have to keep to code in Florida, I guess. So they wanted... Like the a, buildings that they... That they modeled them saw after. Over the, that they modeled after. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So they went to... Um, so like these buildings wouldn't be straight. They would be kind of pieced together, falling apart. Mm-hmm. And so... Even, you know, but these are brand new buildings. So in order to do it, like some of them, the windows, some of them aren't the same size and some and they're built crooked. They're not built in a straight line to give mm-hmm. that illusion that the building is falling. I see. And even the colors on the buildings had different representations, like red is a protective color. And so it's around the doorways and the corners. And then black is built, is painted on because that was supposed to bring warm air into the buildings. Huh. All right. Isn't that cool? That's pretty, that is pretty cool. I want to paint my... Uh, door frame red. You should. Need protection. Yes, from the COVIDs. Just in general. I have a lot of enemies. All these details were getting into place, and they're getting ready for the ride to open after many years of staring at it. And the carts themselves, they also had to, you know, put a lot of work in to make them look like a train, even though it's a freaking roller coaster. Right. Uh, and even at the ends, like when you get to the station, having, because it's a steam engine, Having the steam come up, but you can't actually have the steam because it'll rust. So it, I thought that was cool. Yeah, so they have it like tracked under the track and come up through. So it looks like it's coming out of the train, but it's really not. It's also not like real steam, right? Yeah, it's not yeah. real steam. So, because the, the, so the water doesn't cause the rust. Yeah. I just, again, the amount of detail that went into it. But something they did use water for, which I didn't know that they did this. They had 170 pound like water jugs in each seat to replicate people. To test the weight. Yeah. yeah, because obviously the more it weighs, the faster it's going to go. Sure. So they they put these like big water jugs in it. I thought they put like dummies or something, but it's these big water jugs. I know it's very funny, and I'm also like, mm, I got to lose some weight if I'm going to go on that ride. We could even out. Yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> I guess that's true. They're getting ready to open the ride. Very exciting. Paint is on. Little details are put into place. Tinfoil's been removed. Tinfoil is gone. They put little, like, they put, like, dirt everywhere and then wash it away to make it look aged and old. (laughs) 
<laughs> and it's kind of sad because these artists work on these like beautiful things and then like someone comes through and like kind of breaks it and puts you know like yeah. to make it look old <laughs> right and now it's open or it's about to open and we also put in a lot of promotion apparently they really yeah, want I always think it's interesting to go back and see like, you know, some of these like commercials for rides and stuff that come out. There's the Main Street commercial that we've definitely talked about. Yes. And we haven't um, talked about the Splash Mountain one. Right. That's the one I was Be- thinking of. Yeah. It's because I don't like that ride, but. <laughs> yeah, which is fine. Um, but for this one, not only do they did commercials, they also did this like huge, like billboard kind of poster sort of interactive thing in, thing in Times Square. Yeah. They had a, a Times Square advertisement for this ride. Yeah, where you'd look up and like if you texted a code, then the lights, like its eyes would glow and flash at you. And it's like, look, I did that because I texted. Which I'm sure they just probably had it like on on a on a predictable repeat, and they just because <laughs> like there's always someone that's texting it, and then and then they just use that as a way to get all of the uh, phone numbers of people and then try to get them to join the DVC. Oh no, yeah. that's not true. Data mining. No. um and they did they did uh some tv specials on it like they really went hard on promoting this ride and it paid off well right yeah like we said in the intro like it won an award for the first like uh for the best new attraction and you know i think like it was kind like we said too it's kind of it was a little bit of a uh, of a different type of attraction for disney and it's still today you know there and pretty popular so yeah, it opened in April, April 9th, 2006, and the line is still always really long. Maybe not during yeah. COVID, I don't know, but and it was the longest line always until Pandora opened, and now those always have the longest lines in Animal Kingdom, but it's always a hit. Um, it's definitely not for some kids. It is a true roller coaster, so the height restriction is 44 inches and if you, depending on your your comfortability with certain motions, I wouldn't ride this ride. Yeah, I was going to say, it might not be for this kid. I might try it at some point, but... I feel like you would do it once, really enjoy it, but it might not be an every trip for you. Probably not. Probably not. Where me and my family are like, except, well, okay, me and my brothers, not my parents, <laughs> we're like over and over and over. <laughs> sure. So given that I might only ride it once... Or very few times. Yes. Let's see those hidden Mickeys so I know what to look for the one time I do it. Ooh, okay. So the biggest hidden Mickey that you can't see is that Everest itself is a giant hidden Mickey. Huh? Yeah. What's that mean? So if you were to see it from space, like the only way we can really see it is Google Earth because you can't fly over it. Okay. So you have the mountain isn't like a proper circle, but it's you know pretty close and it then there's the two there's two circles on either side that are smaller and it makes a giant mickey that's cool i know i'm not gonna see that one but i still think that's pretty cool um (laughs) so let's get onto what i might see okay so i'll go through a few of them there's a good amount in the standby line in the standby line just past the first room which is the office Classic Mickeys are in the clouds on the left and right sides of a Yeti mural on the wall of a red building. Okay. I pretty much I pretty much think that I mean there's like a good amount and they're all in the queue. So sure, this is sense. this would be a good time to like go through the queue and really uh, there's so much to look at it's kind of hard to take all of it in. But I'd recommend trying to take as much of it in as you can. Um when you get to the Yeti Museum, another one 
is that there's a classic Mickey paw print at the lower left of a tall glass cabinet display titled Documenting Biodiversity near the top of the third paper from the left above the words Small Mammal Tracks. Oh, that's cute. Yes. Yeah, that makes Uh, sense. And that's the same case where there's poop. (laughs) Great, great. I know, you wanted to know. I did. Uh, One, there is one uh, on the first part of the ride. On the first part of the ride, as your train is climbing up the mountain, a classic Mickey-shaped dark melted pot appears in the snow to your left. I imagine that would be hard to see if you're on the on the ride. I feel like you're going to be like, oh, no, I got to find this Mickey, and then you're past it already. Oh, yeah, on a roller coaster? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's why even as we talked about like the Yeti, it's right, so right, massive, right. and there was so much detail, and you literally see it for like two seconds. That yeah, makes sense. Um, but it makes sense that they put more of these in the in the queue, uh, especially if you're going to spend so much time in the queue. <laughs> True. <laughs> so since the queue is so long, uh, let's go into our normal questions. Is this an every time you go kind of ride when you go to Disney World? 100%. Or Animal Kingdom, I suppose. I wouldn't um, miss it. Okay, good to know. Um, where do you put it in your day? Whenever I can get a fast pass. Okay, so it's like a fast pass only ride for you, basically. Uh, the, the line is usually really long. How like, long are we talking here? Since I haven't been, I'm just at le- Like over an hour, yeah. always. Um, so I think that that is going to also lead to a pretty easy answer on the you're on your way out of the park, 10 minutes to 10 minute wait. Um, do you jump on it? A hundred percent. I mean, there's been times, too, where we'll have to do single rider just to make sure we get to ride it and make a shorter wait time. That makes sense. I do single rider for uh, cars. Oh, um, yes. Should, that's that'll be always. A fun one. Like oh, that. yeah. Have we not done that yet? I don't know. Um, Radiator Springs radiator springs oh that's another Uh, one i can quote the whole ride so that'll be really fun that's why we haven't done it yet (laughs) (laughs) i should watch the movie before we do it because i haven't seen it um we can have a movie night yeah be fine anyways uh okay well those were all pretty straightforward and that makes sense um it's a ride you like a lot uh and you're willing to wait if you have to but you don't want to that much but I will, if, if I don't have a choice, like right now, while there is no fast pass situation, I would wait. I I don't care how long it is. It would definitely be one that I would do. That makes sense. I think uh, that's a that's a question I think I want to start asking is, would you ride this ride if you couldn't get a fast pass? Yes. Like, yeah. And that obviously, yes, for this one. Um, so the one that might be more controversial, what would you change about this ride? And it can't be fixing the Yeti because that's the obvious one. Oh, man. One. That, yeah, that is the obvious one. I really think the only thing that I would change is making it longer. Just because okay. it's really fun. <laughs> right now, the the ride time is 2 minutes and 50 seconds. Why not bump that up to like 3 minutes and 30 seconds, you know? Sure. Probably I mean, because it's massive and takes up an insane amount of space. But, <laughs> yeah, but that's okay. It's a fantasy world where we're changing things. Yes. Okay, so I have an idea, um, and you can judge as to whether or not it's valid um, based upon the rule stipulations that I just put out. I say, we can't fix the Yeti. Let's lean into Disco Yeti. Every, oh, no. Yeah, every so often. Maybe not every <laughs> ride. Maybe it's only like during certain months. You get actual disco ball in there. You get different colors. You have like a uh, little fun music going around. Um, and it's not a scary Yeti anymore. It's a fun Yeti. Oh, my God. That would be hilarious. But uh, no. All right, fine. <laughs> it, the ride has a good scary factor, you know. It is okay. Yeah, it would it would totally change 
the feel of the ride. Yeah, and that's what I was going for. But sure, whatever, <laughs> fine. But hey, if you don't like having fun. Yeah, yeah. If you if you hate fun, sure, I get it. Go to Disneyland. <laughs> I'll go to Universal where we'll get to go on Hagrid's motorcycle ride. All right. Well, I think that's gonna do it. You didn't let me give my fun fact. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and because I promised. Yeah, he promised me. I promised you I would let you give a fun fact about this one. Um, what is your fun fact about Expedition Everest that most people wouldn't know? Well, I think this is really cool, and Will thinks it's lame, so he wouldn't let me do it earlier. So when they were constructing it, the they couldn't use traditional scaffolding because they had to be able to look at the building or the mountain and see it where the scaffolding would cover it up. So they came up with their own version of scaffolding. They would let the steel tabs come through all the way, and then they built scaffolding on top of those steel tabs. And then when they were done, they had to saw them off or cut them off, and that took three months. Yeah. So if you found that interesting, uh, reach out to us and let us know. Oh, <laughs> I think it's so cool. Like they even had to make their own scaffolding. Yeah, it is cool. Uh, I know. It's just not the coolest part of the ride at all. Okay, fine. The Yeti is a little bit more interesting personally, but I could be wrong. No, no. you're right. The Yeti our, may be a little cooler. Our audience might disagree. And if they do, you can find us. At, yes you can find us on all social media platforms uh instagram and facebook at slice of disney and on twitter at slice underscore of underscore disney you could email us if you wanted to at slice of disney pod at gmail.com um make sure to like subscribe uh share review spread the word you little hummingbirds if you like this podcast, you probably have someone in your life that also likes Disney. Um, so share this with them. I think they'd like it too. Yeah, yeah. Come hang out with us. That's a good way to put it. Come hang out with us. <laughs> come hang out with us. Okay. Well, thank you for listening to Expedition Everest. I hope you had some fun. Okay, bye. <laughs>